the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you had a wonderful weekend. If not, we are going to work on starting your week out well. And we are going to continue this idea of the best year ever and how we really set ourselves up to have a great year, the best year that we could. And that does not mean without heartache, does not mean without hardship, it doesn't mean without mistakes. But it means that we're going to really learn, we're going to really grow, and we're going to be better because of whatever is brought our way. Whether that be negative things or positive things, whether that be negative things we've done to ourselves and brought to ourselves, or whether that be something the world has brought to us. And that we want to make sure that the positive things that come our way, our successes, or whatever the world or friends or family or the Lord brings to us that is positive, that it causes us to be a better person and someone that is deeper and richer and more generous and more forgiving because of the goodness that God brings to us. So I want to start this show this, this, this afternoon with Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, and this is out of the Message Bible. Now, I've read this passage. This is about building your house on the rock in a couple of different translations, but I really like the way the Message Bible really illuminates this verse. And this is what it says. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you choose to not use my words, and the words you learn in Bible studies, and you don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So what does this mean? that the wise man built his house upon a rock. Well, this story is is really an amazing story, and it is used twice, once in Matthew, once in Luke, and the meaning of this parable really is quite obvious. It means that proper foundations are necessary. With a literal house, it's unwise to build on sand because the foundation will be unsteady and the house will eventually suffer, you know, quite a bit of damage. This will waste resources, 
and a lot of time, and it'll have to be then more work put into the building of the house to replace what was first there. will be lots of time, lots of energy, lots of expense. In contrast, it's wise to build one's house on a sure foundation. Anchoring to the bedrock really makes that building withstand the test. Imagine, as we have talked before about our lives, and the bigger your life, the deeper the foundation. Just as when we look at skyscrapers. A one-story house does not need the same depth of foundation as a 25-story skyscraper. So the bigger your, your life, the more impact you want your life to have on the world, the more you want to live it, the more you want to embrace everything that God has for you and live the life that he's truly created you to live. It's going to have to have a very deep foundation to hold all those things that are coming. The things that you do that you don't do, things that are done to you, things that are withheld from you, whatever it may be, whatever the world is doing, you want to have a foundation that's able to withstand that. You also want to have that foundation that can withstand your own learning curve. You see, you can't learn without making mistakes. So we want to be able to have a foundation that can withstand our learning. So proper foundations are necessary. So the sermon that Jesus was talking about obviously was not concerned with the construction of a true house and building code violations, etc. It was really about, a, it had a very deep spiritual meaning. And he says, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So we're each building a life or tearing down a life or ignoring a life. So the proper foundation for a life in Jesus is words. What, not just hearing his words, but putting them into practice, doing something with them. Having the word, the word, be the rock. And the words that Jesus speaks and spoke be the bricks to the house. The nails, the framework. That then we have a safe place to live that can withstand our mistake-making, and our learning. So it seems, you know, at times that everything in the world is, you know, set up to make us turn away from God's words. And often, you know, our feelings pull us toward doing the exact opposite, obviously, of what the Bible says. But a wise man is going to follow the words of God despite the pressures. Because he trusts in God. See, Jesus presented himself as the final authority on the fulfiller of the law. He ends the sermon with this call to heed his message. And he says, in fact, you're going to find security, deep and abiding security in me if you follow these words. So we have to learn to trust and obey. Our house needs to be steady and solid and unshaken by circumstances. That means our belief in what we know to be true is solid. Our feelings are not are, are pretty fluid. Our feelings kind of, they come and go. They, sometimes we have the feeling that matches the situation. Sometimes our feeling doesn't match the situation. Sometimes we have feelings we don't even understand. Sometimes we have feelings we don't want. But feelings are the experience of living. They're not the rock that we stand on. I'm going to say that again. Feelings are the experience of living. They are not what we build our house on. 
And so I like what, um, you know, I looked, I did a lot of research on this. And the parable of the wise and the foolish, foolish builders was really pretty amazing in terms of the amount of prolific information that people have, have really studied and talked about this. And, it, and what it really is about is saying that Jesus is saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, I say he's a wise man, like one that built his house on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And great was his fall. So the parable really emphasizes the need to put Jesus' teachings into practice. And so he speaks about these two different types of people, the wise person, the foolish person. It doesn't mean he loves one of them more or less. It has everything to do with what your life is going to be like and how much you are able to walk out the call that God has on your life. It has everything to do with how effective you're going to be in being able to impact the world in only the way that you can. The whole point of why God created you. And so Jesus is really expressing that rain and floods and winds, when he talks about that, he, it's metaphorical. It's the calamities and the afflictions that befall men, like false accusations, plots against you, bereavements, death, loss of friends, you know, ill things that come into your life. But Jesus is saying none of these does such that the soul would give way because it's founded on the rock. He calls this doctrine its steadfastness because the truth in his commands are stronger than any rock. And it sets us up against the waves of human affairs. And if we keep to these things strictly, then we're not going to have the, the, the advantage, that we're not going to be taken advantage, as many other people are, by the devil, by individuals that are out for foul play with us. We are not going to be so vulnerable to that. And we're going to care about the right things. We're not going to care about whether man approves of us. We're going to care about whether God approves of us. And so I want to look at, there's like these three rules to living happily. And this was written by a woman named Lucia Adams. And I've come across these in different, different people have written on these, these different rules. But I really like how these, were, how these were put together. And the first one is really that wonderful rule, which is forgiveness. So everything done to you, deliberate wrongs, unconscious wrongs, injustices, uh, things that you did not deserve, whatever is done to you, even whatever you do to yourself, you need to forgive. Because forgiveness is the great reset. Forgiveness allows me to love again. Forgiveness allows for me to have wisdom. When I truly forgive, it actually helps me learn instead of just surviving whatever was done to me. I actually learn, and I grow, and I'm strengthened when I really, truly forgive. And in the midst of that forgiveness, when we talk about self-forgiveness, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is to forgive yourself, and you have to live with yourself all the time. You never can get away from you. Even when you die and go to heaven, you're still going to be you. So you need to learn to love yourself. 
You need to care about you the way that the master cares about you. You need to care about you the way God cares about you. He's counting on you to love you. He lives in you, and he wants you to experience his love through you, to you, and for you. And so do those things that really care for you, that are caring. How do you eat? Do you sleep? Are you saying no to yourself? Are you saying no to others? Are you saying yes to good things, or are you punishing yourself? Are you walking around hating yourself? Are you talking badly about yourself? These are the things that really cause God great stress and sadness because he loves you. And the third one is I want you to look for God. I really want you to daily, in your day, look for ways that God is showing up. It's really quite exciting when you start to do it. You'll be amazed at what you see. I don't want you to look for religious things. I don't want you to practice necessarily religion. I certainly want you to practice really great behaviors and great habits. But I want you to look for God. Maybe it was just somebody let you into traffic and smiled at you. Maybe somebody like took your tip for you and said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take that over for you. Don't worry about it. Maybe your spouse picked up the dry cleaning and you didn't have to go do it. Whatever gift you've been given, whatever act of love you see, that always is of God. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Make sure you check out all the social media that we have for you. You also can listen to the shows on my website, which is CynthiaHyatt.com. They are also on 1360 KPXQ. They are on Faith Talks, that, that website. You can always find me as one of the radio hosts and listen to it right there. And so I really appreciate whenever I you know, get emails from you or you really um, respond on social media about the things that are helping you or that you like. And I also love it if you email me and say, hey, could you do a show on this topic or would you be willing to talk about this? And so I certainly wouldn't use your name unless you wanted me to, but I would love it if you really would let me know things that would truly, really inspire, motivate, and help you. So we are continuing to do the best year ever. So what do we do really to create a great year for ourselves? And like I said in the last segment, that doesn't mean a perfect year, and it doesn't mean a year without mistakes or heartache or hardship, but it means that it's a fruitful year that I grow, I learn, I have impact, I overcome. That's what we want to do. So we talked about the beginning of that, how to have a good, really good year, the best year, a solid year, a strong year, is that we build our house on the rock. And we took that from the Message Bible in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental. It's not like they're additions to your life, like homeowner improvements to increase your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, river flooded, tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. But if you just used my words in Bible studies... If you just use it to sound Christian or to sound religious or smart and you don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter. 
who built his house on the sandy beach. And when a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So I want to say something to you about this, like a house of cards. If this has happened to you, if your life has collapsed, maybe it was your fault, maybe it was somebody else's, whatever it was, if your house, your life couldn't withstand whatever circumstance occurred, I want you to thank God for that because that means that the house he's going to rebuild is going to be stronger than it's ever been. And so I don't want you to thank God for like tragedy. I want you to know that God didn't leave you when the house collapsed and he's going to be your covering and your protection until he builds that new one with you and that he can build a new life for you, a better life, a stronger life, a more effective life, a life that fits you better a life that is reflective of who you truly are, a life that impacts people that you love and people around you. So don't lose heart. If your life has collapsed because of circumstances, you are still here. And God can build a life for you that is better than it's ever been. So we build our house on the rock. And I talked about these three rules for living and that and really help. So I've, I'm going to also give you like 30 things to stop doing to yourself. And we're going to talk about seven rules for living as well in this week and next week. But these three things are so simple. And they change your life radically. And they mean so much. And they are so powerful. And that's the first one you forgive. You walk in forgiveness. That's the life of Christ. That's the heart of Christ. That's the house that can withstand storms of mistake-making people in a very harsh, difficult world. That's how Jesus managed this world. That's how he was able to fulfill the calling God had on his life, because he constantly forgave the people. And some of the last of his dying words were to his father. He said, oh, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. They really don't know. So forgiveness, big, 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 big. Then the second one, I want you to love yourself. And I know that sounds strange. This is not about like self, you know, adoration and exaltation. And it's not that type. It's care, caring for the one that God loves, caring for who God died for. He's counting on you. You're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're the primary caregiver. Are you taking good care? Can God trust you to care for the one that he loves? So care for yourself. And then look for God. I don't mean like practice just religion. I, I think that, that practicing you know, religious pursuit is, is certainly has merit, and I do it myself. But when I say for you to look for God, I want you to look for God in your world. Did you find a, I don't know, a dollar on the ground? That's God. Did somebody hold the door open for you? Someone smile for you? Someone pay for your meal? Did someone apologize that you never expected to apologize to you? These acts of love, these positive, uplifting things only come from God. They can't be generated from any anywhere else. They are all from God. And so you thank God and the person, but really acknowledge God and say, God, I see you today. I experienced you today. Thank you for being in my world. And I want to add another one. 
And this one, we've done a lot of shows on gratitude. And you will be amazed at how much stress is relieved when you're grateful. You'll be amazed at how easy it is to find God when you have a grateful heart. And when I don't trust God, then I allow the stress of the situation to affect me negatively. And it's going to change my demeanor. And it will make it even harder to resist sinning. And so I have to really, really practice down to the most minute detail of life to thank God for good things and to thank God for things that appear hard and painful and wrong and just say, God, the only reason I'm thanking you is not because I'm happy about what's been brought into my life, but I'm thankful that you're in it with me, that you are not just an observer that doesn't care, that you are actually in the hardship, that when you knew the hardship was coming, you came with it to be with me, in it, to get me through it. So we thank God for all the things that we see him doing for us, down to the most minute detail. Don't you love being thanked? Don't you love it when someone cares about you? Don't you love it when you, when you are trusted by someone? That's how God feels when you trust him, you thank him. You believe the best of him. So this is one of those really important things that when you are truly building your house on the rock, that you practice these things, that you forgive, you love, you always look for God and acknowledge God when you see him, and you are grateful that you have a grateful heart. You'll be amazed at practicing just those four things, those four simple things, how much it changes your outlook, how much it changes just the atmosphere of your life and the way that you see things how much strength it gives you, how much life it gives to you, and how much resiliency you will have. So I'm glad that you're listening today, and we are going to really go into this next segment, and we are going to talk about seven rules for living as well. We're going to add a couple of them to these major three, okay? And I think you're going to really enjoy it. It's going to be extremely helpful. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. If you're just joining me, I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you are not able to hear the show in its entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety right off your computer. You can also go to Faith Talk, the, the website, and you can find me as one of the hosts, and we have all the shows listed as well on the radio, on the radio website, as well as you can go out certainly onto the internet, and I have a lot of these on all the different podcast servers. I also want to encourage you to really check out the social media that we have for you, and Really let us know what's helpful and tell us what you like, what you need more of. And if you ever want me to do a show on a specific topic, please feel free to email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com. And I will always respond and let you know whether or not that's something that I think I can do effectively. I would love to know what you need. So we are talking about still the best year ever and what we can do to really make this year, 2019, 
a really good year. And that obviously does not mean it's going to be without pain, and it doesn't mean it will be without hardship, without mistakes. It will have all of that. But we also talked about how we manage that so that it really is a good year, and that means we build our house on the rock. And I want you to really look at those verses in Matthew and really take some time to just study what that means. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And to really take some time and read about, wow, I really want to build my house on the rock. So what does that analogy, that metaphor, how does that play out in my life? What are the things that I need to put into my life to, to really build that solid life, that life, my house that I live in? And so I, I want to look at seven kind of just these different rule statements that are a little bit more in-depth. And certainly the three that I gave you in the last segment encompass all of these. And those three that we talked about is forgiving, being forgive, forgiving you, forgiving others, being forgiving. And, and certainly we talked about this idea that not only do we want to be forgiving, but we want to make sure that we are also loving ourselves, that we are taking good care of the one that God loves. And that doesn't mean I'm not talking about weird kind of self-love and self-aggrandizing. I'm talking about care, that you care for the one he cares for. And think about how you feel when you have to drop your kids off at someone's house for them to care for a while, maybe even a week. What if they have to care for them for a week? What if you have to drop your pet off? What if someone has to come and take care of your pet? Don't you love it when you know you can trust that person to care for that child, that pet that you love? That's how God feels when you take care of you. And so we want to look for God as well. We want to look for him everywhere. And more than anything, we also want to practice gratitude. So when we do those, what we'll find in a little bit more in-depth is that we want to remind ourselves, number one, to make peace with your past. You need to make peace with your past. You need to let the past actually be the past, not something current. Because if it's not really in the past, then it's going to be affecting your future. It's going to be stealing from your future, derailing your future, making it impossible to actually enjoy the present, and so you really need to make peace with your past. And that probably means some forgiveness. That probably means finding ways to be grateful for some things. So we want to make peace with the past so that it doesn't screw up our present and then affect our future. And I want you to think about this second one. What others think about you or no, what others think of you is really, truly none of your business. And if you practice good boundaries like that and say, you know what, everybody has the right to think whatever they want. I think whatever I want. Right? So if I give myself permission to think whatever I want and, have my, and, and create my own opinions about people, places, things, then I guess I need to honor the fact that other people have the right to do the same. And I need to respect their thoughts. And if they don't tell them, to me, I need to respect that they get to think whatever they want to think. And if I try to figure out what they think and use that as a way to have peace, as a pathway to peace, that if they like me, then I feel okay, then I'm going to be controlled by the external world. And I'm going to be trying to please people 
in order to feel safe instead of pleasing God. So I make peace with my past. And I let others, what others think, be their own business, their own right. They have a right to their own mind, the privacy of their own mind. They get to think whatever they want to think about me. And I need to respect it and honor it and let God deal with it. Because I really can't control what other people think. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. We are going to continue to talk about some more standard statements, rules that we can do this year to make it the best year ever. Join me in the next segment. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining in. And if you just are now tuning in, I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also visit Faith Talk Radio, that website, and listen to it on on their website. They have all our podcasts on there. All the hosts have their podcasts. You can also go out on the internet, to social media, and I have these uh, shows on a lot of different podcast servers. So thank you for joining me, and we are talking still about this idea that we are creating the best year ever for us. And we are going to be diligent and focused on what can we do to really make this a good year. That doesn't mean a perfect year, because we're not going to try to control external circumstances. We're simply going to do the stuff that we can control, which is us. And sometimes that's even hard to control us. And so this is some, just some different things that we can do that help to build a really strong foundation so that when the waves and the storms of life, the hardships of life come, we can withstand it and actually get stronger because of it. So we talked a lot about that verse in uh, that, that passage in Matthew chapter 7 that really talked about building your house on the rock. And that when the waves and the storms of life come, that the person that's built their house on God's word, on God's life, on the life of Christ, withstands those storms. And that we don't build our house on the sand, which is what other people think, money, prestige, whatever it is that we think our reputation is supposed to be, whatever we own, whatever we've acquired, that's building your house on the sand. So I want you to ask yourself, what would I need to do to build my house on the rock? What, what would be some things I need to do? What are things that I'm using as foundation for my life? Maybe a relationship. Maybe I have an addiction that keeps me going. And that feels like that's, that's a part of the foundation of my life. Even though intellectually you know it's not healthy. It's helping me get by. That's one of those things of building your house on the sand. Do I depend on money? Do I depend on my appearance? Do I depend on whether people like me or not? Am I trying to have children so that I can really feel good about myself and have the family that I've always wanted? And I'm depending on that more than I am on God, the rock. So what are some foundational things that we can put into our life that help make that house solid? Well, we talked about this idea of forgiveness. We want to be practicing that all the time that that needs to be a part of your lifestyle. That needs to be in the repertoire of your life. 
that you forgive and that you forgive yourself and that you love yourself. And when we say love yourself, we're not talking about self-aggrandizing. We're not talking about being overinflated and consumed with yourself and trying to give yourself all kinds of things that feel good. We're talking about actually caring about you. What do you need? Do you know what you need? I'll give you an example. I have hypoglycemia, so that's low blood sugar. So I know I need to eat several times a day. So sometimes in my sessions, people have to see that I'm eating pretzels in a session, which is usually I don't like to eat in front of people, but I can't think if my blood sugar drops. I can't be present for them. So one of the ways I take care of me is I make sure I always have some food with me wherever I am. And I work really hard at, at a really good hypoglycemic diet so that I can manage that blood sugar. That's how I care for me. And I'm telling you, it's not always fun. It's not. I would rather, you know, do what maybe other people do or what I've done in the past and use sugar and caffeine to keep my blood sugar okay, which obviously we all know that doesn't work. So I tell you that to say, how do you love you? What do you need? You know what your children need. You know what your pets need. You might even know what your friends, your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend need. Do you know what you need? That's part of loving you. That helps you to be who you need to be for all those people that you love. That helps you be able to be who God needs you to be so that you can be his hands, his eyes, his feet, his heart, his voice. So it's imperative that we care for us. And then we want to look for God everywhere. We want to be people that are searching for God, that we see God in God's world. This is still his world. And that we see him working and we see him intervening and we thank him for it, which leads us to being a person of gratitude. You will be amazed at how happy you feel when you are thankful. When you are thanking God for little things, like thanking God for the driver that let you in to traffic just so nicely when nobody else would. The person that let you cut in front of them in line said, oh, no, go ahead. Just these types of things. The extra bonus you got at work that you didn't expect. Being grateful. Being grateful. And so we talked about making peace with your past so that it doesn't screw your present, up, present life up and it doesn't affect your future. So we really want the past to be the past. The past is dead. The past is we can't go back in the past. We can't do anything about the past. The past is done. And we need to be okay with it. It doesn't mean that I agree with all of it. It doesn't mean I'm proud of everything in my past. But it means that I've accepted it. God has. God's gotten over my past. He's not in my past like that. He's not worrying about it, caring about it, beating me up for it. He got over it. Well, I need to get over it too. And if it was great, if, it, if the past seems better than my present, I need to not live in the past. I need to do what I need to do to make the present and the future better than the past. I need to be careful that I really respect the fact that what other people think is really none of my business. If they want to tell me, I love to hear it, but I still am not allowed to judge it. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. Everybody has a right to their own mind. And that is the place that we are free in our own mind. So we want to have good mental hygiene. And we want to realize that time really does heal things if we let time do its job. If we don't race through time, 
if we don't fight time, resist time, is that we give things time. Everything needs time. People need time. We have a very different society right now. Our culture is very different when it comes to time. Two minutes feels interminable. And we, we really need to practice settling down, living in time, because time is still the same as it always has been. But our experience of it is very different, and our patience is very different, and our willingness to actually experience it instead of let our body be in the present time and our mind and our emotions somewhere in the future or somewhere in the past. That we actually live the moment that we're in, because this is what I'm telling you. If you live the moment you're in and you do it as best as you can, you don't have to relive it. You don't have to try to fix it. You don't have to then have a past that you are not at peace with. Just do the moment you're in and do that one well. And let time help you. And this one is really important. Don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. So you can't compare your life to another person's life when you are not them. Everyone's life is unique. If you've ever taken time to talk with people about their life, and I have the advantage because that's part of my job, and I get to listen all day to people's stories about their life, and you would be amazed how interesting every person's life is, how fascinating their lives are. And it isn't because they've, like, climbed Mount Everest or something. I mean, I do have clients that have. But it's the uniqueness of their life. It's the way they've interacted with their life. It's what's come into their life. It's what they think about their life, how they perceive it, the choices that they have made, the things they regret, the successes that they've had. So I don't want you to think that your life is somehow better or worse, greater or less than someone else's. You can't compare things that are not the same. So there is no one's life that is yours. It is your life alone, and you need to own and take on your own life and live your life and live it well. It is the gift that God has given you. We don't know the number of days that we have, that we've been given. But we want to live our life well. We get only one. So you don't get to come back and try to do a big redo. So this life, embrace, love, take hold of it, be proud of it, even if there's failure in it. One of the things that I can be proud of in my life is that I've had great failures, but I've overcome them. I've had hardships that I've learned from. I have big stories that taught me things. And I keep showing up every day and doing my life to the best of my ability. Because I say to you and I say to myself, I say to others, if I could be doing better, wouldn't I be doing better? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Of course I'm doing the best I can. It just might not be very good, right? Well, but you know what? That's all I've got. And so if I give all I've got, then I need to be okay with that because God is okay. And if I think I can do better, then do better. 
But don't condemn yourself telling yourself you could have done better if that's really all you had. You just need to do the best you can. And that's one of the kindest things that you can do. So don't compare your life to other people in, in a way of a hierarchy of their life is better or my life is better, their life is worse, my life is worse. I would have I never done what they did. That was stupid. And comparing your life to somebody else's. I want you to be very careful about that. That if you want to compare your life to somebody else, then I want you to do it in a way that's uplifting to you both. If you want to say, hey, I'm so glad that I looked into their life because I learned something from them. I picked up something. I either picked up what I don't want to do, so I don't have to make the mistake. They made it. I learned from their mistake. Or I learned a new way to do something. And I appreciate their life because their life helped mine. So don't judge yours and don't judge their life. And stop thinking so much. You know, sometimes there just aren't answers. And sometimes the answers are going to come at some other point, and we need to just wait for the answer and know that God never withholds a good thing. And you need to understand that no one is in charge of your happiness but you. It's your life. You're responsible for it. You don't answer to anybody else but God. And when you stand before God, you're going to talk about your life. And he's not going to let you talk about somebody else's. So the other thing, and if, this, if you don't know the science behind smiling, I want you to go to the website and, look at the, and listen to the shows we did about smiling. I just want you to smile. So even as you hear me talk, I want you to smile because you can hear the difference in my voice when I'm smiling and if I'm smiling at you. So smiling is one of the most beautiful things that you can do for your entire physical being. It responds so well to that little flexing of your smiling muscles. You get a rush of endorphins. You get some stress relief, and it actually changes your outlook. So let yourself smile. Let yourself smile at others. People can't resist a smile. Try to not smile back if someone smiles at you. So I want you to smile. God is smiling on you. Even if you are in the worst place you have ever been, he is smiling on you because he loves you, and he loves whatever little effort you're giving. And if you can't give an effort, just look up at him and receive the smile from God. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. God bless you in your week, and we will talk next Sunday. Have a great rest of your day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.